a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution, forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but they've been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is is putting to death the old the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. I want to know how to petition our friends over at Theopedia. Uh, we could start an online petition, and the petition name would be Bring Back the Random Article Button. <laughs> Having trouble finding a buzzword? Yes, this is miserable. <clears throat> I actually have to pick up a book and turn pages? Ew. Oh, man. Uh, but I've got That's one funny. for you. Uh, All right, I'm ready. Good, because I forgot to get one myself. Well, why don't you tell us what we're doing today first? Oh, yeah. So we got three uh, three things on tap today. Uh, we, we got buzzwords and email, first segment, standard stuff. Second one, we got a new game. This is a new super game built around an email. It's called Twitter Theology and the Marks of a Missionalist. <laughs> we'll explain that second segment. And then you found this... Um, uh, you found this guy, this uh, TED video, this guy explaining, um, an, an evolutionist explaining the moral origins of religious experience. So is it, so we're going to play three ladders and listen to some clips from this thing, right? And, and consider the three ladders uh, of moralism, mysticism, and rationalism uh, kind of as unfolded by this guy and his uh, book. I think you've got his book, too. Is that by, right? Yeah. By the way, I have one clip and then I have two others to consider. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but that's one of them for sure. So uh, we'll, okay. we'll talk about that. Um, oh, good. Okay. So yeah, th- there you go. But no, I, I didn't want to make it so easy on you. I wanted to get some different ones uh, so it'd be a challenge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Table so talk radio ladders. points are not easy to come by uh, on this show. <laughs> these, these You have to work for them. They're like Calvinists in real life. <laughs> right. You can find them on the internet all over the place. Table talk radio points all over the... <laughs> All right, my theological buzzword, theological buzz phrase for you is inaugurated eschatology. And oh, uh, nice. Theopedia says that this is the term used to describe the belief that the end times or the latter days were inaugurated at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, Jesus' bringing of the kingdom of God has both a present and future aspects, sometimes called already and not yet. It argues that the end is already here, but it has yet to be consummated. So I think that this is right. This is this is true. N r g u r a t e d. The problem is, uh, yeah, that's right. We are in the we are living in the last days, and and Hebrews says it clear enough. This, these are the last days. Um, now in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. But uh, 
uh, but we are still waiting for the second coming. One, one of the there's this there's an eschatology that says that everything's happened. It's called preterism, and uh, and they would say that Jesus has even already returned for his church. <laughs> and uh, we don't want to go that doing far. Here? <laughs> I know. What would they say to that? Would that we we just missed it and too bad? Yeah, we missed it. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't around when they think Christ returned. What am I supposed to do? Suck it up. Okay. Suck it up and listen to some Table Talk Radio. <laughs> right. uh, my buzzword for you is demonology. Nice. Have we had that one yet? No. This is the uh, the our doctrine of the demons. So we have a couple of things we say, you know, about the angels, for example, and and the demons. First of all, the angels are spiritual beings. They're created uh, sometime in the first few days of creation. We don't know exactly when they were created, uh, because the account in Genesis doesn't tell us. It just says the physical things. Uh, But we know that they were created soon enough in order for the uh, third of them, Revelation 12, to fall because the devil comes to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden not long after they were created, maybe seventh or eighth day or right there at the the get-go. So the the demons then are the one-third of angels that fell with uh, Satan. Uh, They lost their place in heaven and uh, now trouble the Lord and his church. Until the last day, when these uh, demons will, uh, the fallen angels will be sent to the lake of fire, which was prepared and built just for them. Yeah. All right. Demonology. I'll see. I can work that one in when talking about something later. Okay. So what? We probably should. We should probably do a little bit more work on the demonology because there's some strange passages, like this passage in Daniel, where. Um, Daniel says he was he was he started to pray and and the the Lord dispatched an angel who was held up by the prince of Persia until Michael comes and wrestles away that prince of Persia and then the angel can come and deliver the message that God sent to to Daniel that's a kind of crazy passage or this passage where Jesus says um uh, when a demon leaves a man he goes looking for a place to stay and then when he can't find anywhere he comes back and finds the home swept and cleaned out and and empty and he moves in with seven of his friends and the condition of the man is worse than it was at first remember that uh th- there's a uh, or even the story of Jesus casting the, the demons into the pigs there's a there's a lot of kind of biblical stuff that would be handy to to put together so we can uh, we, we can get a sense of this the spiritual reality that surrounds us. Paul says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, and that's a and that's a thing that we ought to be able to say. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think that we can say that. <laughs> just I mean, just generally speaking, it seems like we don't uh, we don't talk about demonology that much. So right, you know what? I, in fact, I was listening to one five hundred uh, points. Uh, I Look at that. Oh, shoot. <laughs> that's pretty week now uh i was listening to a st louis professor and he was saying that uh you know we talk about forgiveness but we don't talk about life how the lord's gospel brings life and i think that's true forgiveness life and salvation these things go together so in place of sin the lord gives us forgiveness in place of death the lord gives us life and in place of bondage to the devil the lord gives us his kingdom his salvation so the world the flesh and the i mean sorry sin death and the devil these are the three things that we get because of our our uh, birth according to the flesh but uh but forgiveness, life, and salvation, that's what the Lord gives us in our place. So whenever we talk about salvation, we're talking against the devil. Yeah, and you're right that so, those, those three always go together. You find when Luther is writing about uh, what benefits such eating and drinking, uh, it is the forgiveness of, these words, the forgiveness of sins. And where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. So that we find um, the perfect anecdote, if you will, um, in the, the Lord's Supper to sin, death, and the devil. But by Christ's yep. crucifix on the uh, crucifixion on the cross. 
Yep, yep. Okay, we have about uh, three minutes for a, for an email. Okay. I got a couple emails from Mike from Aurora. I'm completely – dear Table Talk, I'm completely on board with the concern about mysticism. It got me thinking on the portion of the common table prayer where we ask, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Does that request mystic in nature? Obviously, Jesus is with us at all times. So what exactly is being requested? I'm guessing you can find similar petitions in Scripture, but it would be helpful if you could comment on this type of petition. Mike and Aurora. Thanks, Mike, for the email. I, I have one little comment, a side comment on the on the uh, common table prayer, is that you contemporary types who like to say, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, um, let, these, let these gifts be blessed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I was rebuked one time <laughs> at the seminary. I said that, and he goes, "What? You're going to limit the Lord's gifts to these right here?" <laughs> oh yeah, I don't say. I say, "Let thy gifts." Good. But the point, the the come, Lord Jesus, is the question. You know, right, I mean, right. what and what's and the the prayers for the Lord to come in the scriptures are generally a prayer for the end times. But we want him to come according to his word, according to his kindness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't know where that table prayer even comes from. Do I, I don't either. So another example where we should have done some show prep before we uh, attack. Uh, but the uh, I you know when we the common table prayer should be, and I confess my own sin here because I use the so-called common table prayer, but it should be from the catechism, mm-hmm. uh, where we pray, Lord God, Heavenly Father, bless us and these thy gifts which we receive from thy bountiful goodness through Jesus Christ your Son our Lord. Amen. So that that's a that's a better prayer, and it's what we're taught to pray in the Catechism, and it comes from an ancient prayer. I mean, Roman Catholics have the, a very very similar and ancient table prayer, uh, and it should be probably what we should use. So from this moment on, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, the Table Talk Radio is bringing the new advent of table prayers. <laughs> yes, that's right. I got another question from Mike from Aurora. We have time. One minute. My son, who listens to your show, asked me a question: Does God love the devil and the demons? My answer was no, which he questioned. What, what would Lutheran theology uh, understand? How would it understand the question and why? Along those lines, does God hate some people? Psalm 11, verse 5 and 6 says, The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. What's the Lutheran understanding of such verses? I'm really looking forward to your answer on this one. The answer is law and gospel. So the Lord <laughs> has two ways of handling us: law and gospel. And the and the law way is the is the. Hello, don't you love that? You forgot to remind me. <laughs> the law way is the way of this uh, the, of the Lord's wrath, His anger against sin and sinners. According to the law, uh, because of the law, God righteously hates us. And yet, in the gospel, we find His love, which is His. It's his, that's how he really loves us. Now, the point of this, though, with the demons is that there is no gospel for the devil. There's no gospel for the demons. There's no rescue there. Okay, but... So the Lord does uh, hate them. Let me throw this question at you, then we'll go to the commercial break, and then uh, I'll let you answer on the other side. Um, but when God says that he hates someone, I mean, even we understand in, in the, the harshness of the law uh, is God's wrath. But that wrath is still motivated by love so that a person would come to repentance and believe. So that so that even the law is of the love of God. So I'm going to let you respond right. to that on the other side of this commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. After this, Twitter theology marks of a missionless.
just about the best thing since moldy bread. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio Twitter Theology right after we finish up this uh, this email. Now, Psalm 11.5 uh, says, The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. The one who uh, loves violence, his soul hates. Uh, upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. Now, my question to Pastor Wolfmuller is, then, if, if it says that... Um, Upon the the one who loves violence, his uh, his soul hates. How is it that that can be a proper understanding in the preaching of the law? If even in the law we see God's love for us, uh, because the law is so that we would repent and believe the gospel. Right, that's right. So that the 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 hatred uh, and wrath of the Lord, uh, He wants to pour out on His uh, Son, and He has done that for us. Um, so now uh, the law comes to us as a warning uh, that that God still has th- this place, this lake of fire for the demons, and even though it's not for us, we can end up there uh, because the 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 way of salvation that the Lord has established through the death of Jesus is the only way. That's the way that He built for us to get out of His hatred into His love. Now there's a, so there's an always with the preaching of the law the expectation of repentance. This is, the best place for this is uh, Jeremiah 18. I think this is one of these key texts where Jer- God says to Jeremiah, go down and watch the guy making pots in the potter's house. And he says now he's watching the guy and he's making some sort of pot, and then he messes it up, and so he makes it into something else. And the Lord says, I can do that. If I come and say, hey, I'm going to destroy you, and you repent, then I'll make you something good and give you a blessing. If, on the other hand, I say I'm going to give you a good, good blessing, and then you don't repent, but live in utter wickedness and unbelief then i'll make you for destruction so the lord says that all and then and then, and then jeremiah says now go tell the house of israel i'm about to come and destroy you <laughs> but the whole point is so you repent so the psalm comes along and it says it says uh how does it go i hate the uh oh i lost it now i do you have it in front yeah of you? yeah uh, I, the, I, the one who loves violence his soul uh, his soul hates yeah, so that the, the love of violence is a mark of unrepentance, so that you ought to be the person who does not love violence, but rather loves the Lord's peace. And then and then you uh, you find yourself by that repentance uh, in the Lord's in the Lord's peace, in his comfort. See? See how that works? I think so. Well, if you're looking for something more miserable than Facebook, you can find it in Twitter. <laughs> Um, we have a, an email uh, sent to us uh, with, with an idea for a new game. It says, I have a suggestion for a new game for, for the show. At the risk of feeding any social networking addiction Pastor Wolf there might have, this game does, uh, does along with the Facebook status theology game or church sign or bumper sticker theology games. I am on Twitter and find it useful for quick news headlines. Generally, tweeters, is that, would that be the correct one? Tweeters or Twitter? Twitters probably. Uh, <laughs> tweeters make a. I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure it's tweeters. That tweeter. Was... I think it says tweeter. Here. I know. I think if you could get this right, it would, I think all the <laughs> twits would appreciate it. <laughs> Listen I to mean, you. Tweeters. Oh man. <laughs> Generally, tweeters make a statement about something in 140 <laughs> characters or less, so they can get some interesting statements. 
The tweet below caught my attention and has generally stuck in my uh, stuck in my craw for reasons beyond the scope of helping the show grow and improve via this email. Uh, I That's am, what we want: growth and improvement. <laughs> I am interested to hear your thoughts on it. So uh, here uh, now. Is, is this what he did? He did a search then for the word missional? Is that, is that how Well, this first of all, so he tells us the tweet that got his attention and got him thinking of the game. Uh, and it says, half of all churches last year did not add one new member through conversion growth. So that gets it. That's, now he's thinking, oh, what am I going to do? So then he he goes down and, and searches the tweeter, Twitter for the word missional and came up with a nice four uh, uh, tweets here about missional. Okay, let's and then he can he concludes if the game were to were to take maybe Pastor Gagline could be the Twitmeister. Yeah, I like I think you probably already are. <laughs> uh, since it's not as involved or detailed as Facebook and social as a social media tool. In other words, uh, this this uh, emailer rightly understands that Facebook is probably a little too complicated for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my family. Oh, this is my favorite line here. My family and I enjoy the show. God Whispers is much drier. I guess that's what's happened when the manly doctors try to put on a show. Keep it and the website going. We're passing the tools along. Andrew from Tennessee. Thanks, Andrew. Ha-ha, take that, yeah. God whispers. When we see the corruption of our social society because of Facebook, Twitter is really helping the cause. Yeah. It's... <laughs> You're going to have to have John Bombaro on again writing something about uh, Twitter. I'd like to hear what he thinks about Twitter in 140 characters or less. Okay, so uh, first of all, should we react to this first tweet? Half yes. of all churches last year did not add one new member through conversion growth. Yes, let's just let's respond. Um, that's too bad. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes churches grow, sometimes churches shrink. Um, it could be that uh, some church didn't grow because they've been preaching the gospel, and the people who are coming in wanting to have their ears tickled did not have their ears tickled. Um, yeah. So that might be uh, uh, in, in that particular in, in, in any particular uh, setting could be the response of uh, faithful faithful preaching. Um, but you know th- this this is the tough thing because uh, we always just we cannot resist the temptation. It just seems like no matter who you are, it seems to get at you that we should be judging the success of the preaching, the success of the church by the attendance rolls. Uh, so if there's mm-hmm. if there's a if there's a, a positive number in that column, then you're doing something right. If there's a negative number in that column, you're doing something wrong. But that's not how it is. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus had that standard and here he, here he is uh, feeding the five thousand, and he starts talking about things like uh, eat, uh, feeding on his flesh and blood, and everybody leaves. Man, Jesus mm-hmm. is the worst church growth pastor ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Then, in fact, but, we have that. But then he turns to uh, turns to Peter and goes, "Are you guys going to leave too?" And and Peter says, "Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life." Just just marvelous, beautiful passage. Uh, uh, we have the seven letters to the seven churches where Jesus is a. Uh... Uh, uh, he, he's evaluating the churches, how they're doing, good or bad, and he'll co- he'll commend them, and he'll and then he'll uh, he'll get after them, and and the church needs to do. That. I mean, the church is always um, doing some things well and doing some things poorly, so we always need to be able to hear the gospel and the law also. But he never says you're growing or you're shrinking. That's never what it is. It's always about their doctrine and their life. Now, so the danger here, you say, oh, we're growing, so we're being blessed by God. 
or that, that's false. The other danger is, oh, we're shrinking, so we're being faithful. You know that? Yeah, thing? yeah, right. No. Yeah, right. It has nothing. Growing and shrinking, it doesn't have anything to do with faithfulness or not. That's the point. We have to, what the measurement is by uh, the growth of the church is not measured in numbers. Okay. Now, now ooh, this we next get to one. the missional tweets. Ooh, man. Okay. <clears throat> it says, uh, number four. Eliminate ordination. So this must be a list of four or five or six. Oh, no, four and five things here. So we have list four. Point four, eliminate ordination. Whoops, gives big laugh. Commissioning. Number five, missional appointment making. Are you trying to tell me that Twitter is useful for anything? I mean, we're not even making complete senses anymore. I know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is like this is where the praise songwriters go to write songs. They just start tweeting things. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, so what does this uh, mean? Yes, I, I, so th- this person must be writing some sort of uh, steps to grow the church or steps to be more faithful or something. And step four is eliminate ordination, and instead go to commissioning. <laughs> okay. Whoa. And then number five, right after that, is missional appointment making. So now it's replacing ordination with whatever this thing is, missional appointment making. Maybe that's a maybe you're supposed to make sure like your dentist is an unbeliever. So when you make an appointment, <laughs> you go, you have an opportunity to. Uh, Although the dentist might be the wrong venue. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what? by what you say; it's how you it's how you act. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which for probably reason, I, I I think my dentist is a Lutheran, but probably not much longer after I because I go in there like don't oh, get this thing over with. Oh come on! I All do right. not like going to the dentist. Oh hello, you can ask Carrie about that. Is she on the How line, much I maybe? love going to the dentist. Oh yeah, Carrie, are you there? See, let me put her on and see if she she can tell you how much I hate the dentist. <laughs> All right, so one of the marks uh, one of the marks of a missionalist that's what we want to be pulling out of this is um, uh, what is this pietist thing where you don't like the clergy persons uh, anti clericalism. Okay, so that is that's one. That's what mark. that's called. Yep. All right. So we go to the next one. We got about a minute for the next break. Yep. yep uh, next one. Create external behaviors that can be celebrated, so people can behave themselves into being missional. Oh, whoa! whoa, whoa. Ah. <laughs> now, uh, so so this is a, something else to help being missional. So you 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 kind of you tell people how to act in a missional way, and then you celebrate it. Maybe you bring them up in the church, and you say, "Oh, this person made an appointment with a pagan dentist, or whatever." Or this person has a <laughs> this person has a, uh, a, uh, a follow me to Hope Lutheran Church bumper sticker on their car, and now you praise them so that they're they're getting this kind of external. Um, feedback, uh, this feedback of how uh, how how good they are, how missional they're being. Yeah, if you don't know what's wrong with this one, you should maybe open your Bible to Ephesians, maybe chapter 2, uh, and read. Because, uh, look, the whole point, I mean, this is the whole thing that, 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 that proposed that being missional should be about sharing sharing Christ. But Christ is about forgiving your sins and not about uh, about your works. Um, that you are saved and, and find favor in God because uh, God finds favor in Jesus and his His righteousness is credited to you. So, uh, this external behaviors is not what we're looking for in, uh, in the evangelical task. 
Uh, we have to hit a commercial break. Uh, we can maybe hit these last two real quickly on the other side of the break because we get into which ladder. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. For those times when you just want to be alone, this is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Now, we're working on this game. We're going to play Wish Ladder in just a moment, but finishing up the game, uh, Twitter Theology. Pastor, do you have a mark of being a missionalist from that last one? Oh, uh, what, let's see. What, what what did it say? It said... Um, Remember the external behavior? External behaviors. Marked by external behaviors. Uh, yes. Um, this is going to be... How about this? One of the marks of a missionalist a missionalist is that good works are defined according to evangelism rather than vocation. Mm. You see what that means? Yeah, very good. So um, vocation is the is the place that God has put us to serve our neighbor, where uh, a missionalist will say, no, 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 uh, the place that God has placed you is wherever you are, only so that you can uh, be a proclaimer of the gospel. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I've thought about this, because certainly we do proclaim the gospel within our vocations as God opens those doors. But um, but the point is that we're, we have that job to, to serve our neighbor. So if we're, if we're given the vocation as a, 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 a car mechanic, um, my primary, primary job is making sure I do my job well so the person I'm serving is safe when they're traveling on the road. If I'm, if I'm trying to tell them about Jesus uh, and then I don't hook on their tire... Uh, that's a problem because uh, they yep. need to have a safe car too. So anyway, uh, next one would be uh, let's see, the best mission strategy is prayer. Are you using it according to the missional heart of God? Please meditate on Luke ten two and Matthew nine thirty seven thirty eight. This is the, the, these texts, by the way, are the the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would send out laborers into the harvest field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, by the way, that, that's so. I, we have the theses on Lutheran evangelism somewhere on the internet, probably on Facebook somewhere. We remember those theses on the Lutheran evangelism vaguely, and we we did say this, that in those theses that um, evangelism begins with prayer, because because and there's a couple of reasons. One, we confess that it's God's work, and two, um, uh, we actually think that prayer matters. But so <laughs> this we, the weird thing about this: are you using it? Or in other words, prayer. Are you using? So, so there's a, so many things wrong with this. So we say, look, um, if you, uh, we should pray that the Lord's kingdom comes. Okay, fine. But look, the best mission strategy is prayer. So prayer now becomes a mission strategy. So see, <laughs> everything in the missional mind is becomes a, a servant to this word missional. The best mission strategy is prayer. So now prayer is a servant to the mission. 
are you using according to the missional heart of God? Now even God is a is a is a servant to His own missional heart. <laughs> well, the okay. other irony here is uh, to meditate on these passages. You said is uh, to pray that the the Lord would send workers. I mean, uh, th- this this uh, statement to meditate on these passages goes against the number one mark of being a missionalist, being anti-clerical. Uh, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the ones who the Lord is sending into the harvest are pastors to proclaim the gospel to minister the sacraments. Oh, you're so anti-missional. <laughs> I know. Okay, when you get to this last, oh wait, do you, do you have a do you have a, a mark for that one? Yeah, the mark of the missionalist is everything in life becomes a servant to the mission. In quotes, the mission. <laughs> Got it. The mission. Everything. No, instead of everything in life, just everything okay. becomes. Because even I mean, things out of life are, are subject to the mission. Yeah, God himself <laughs> is subject to the mission. Okay, and then last but not least, just captured and released a bat from my neighbor's apartment. Missional and creation-friendly. Cultural mandate for the win. <laughs> what in the world? This is goofy. I have to tell you that I've tried to catch bats before when they get in the church, and uh, and I'm like a eight-year-old girl when the bats are flying around. <laughs> I'm running through the halls, ah! covering, ducking for cover, you know, into the into the janitor's closet. <laughs> so, someone you, get that bat out of here. You, have Oof. you been bitten before? That might explain something. All right. Okay, so capturing and re- the catch and release uh, the bat. So it's a catch and release mission here. Uh, which is what most missional churches do. <laughs> catch and release. We catch all, we catch all the traditional Lutherans and hand them over to paganism in in a three year cycle. We got an email about that. We'll have to read that later. Uh, so catch and release is missional. So missional must be that he actually went into his neighbor's apartment, and the creation friendly must be that he sent the bat away. Cultural mandate. Cultural mandate. Is that a way of saying, like, Great Commission? I don't know. I don't know. Cultural mandate for the win. Because God has told us to both to spread the gospel and to protect the earth. I bet you that's what it is. Ah, there we go. Cultural mandates, I would say. Nothing like a good mandate. That's a, That <laughs> mandate, by the way, is another way of saying commandment, which is another way of saying law, which is another way of saying guilty. <laughs> Glad I got that cleared up. All right, let's get so to this. So the, the fourth mark of a missionalist is that they're nuts. <laughs> Oops. See, we're coming after you, missionalists. This is how we do our mission. First, we relentlessly mock you. Yeah. Uh, we found a pattern that it's worked. We could write a book. Uh, uh, what would it be called? Missional close-mindedness. <laughs> I, by the way, I'm thinking about writing a book on church growth. And the number one rule to church growth is to make sure the doors are unlocked for services. <laughs> I found that out on Sunday. <laughs> Where is everybody? Out in the parking lot? Oh, yeah, they have holding a prayer service. Got to unlock the doors. <laughs> I at one time wrote How to Write a Church Growth Book in Six Easy Steps. I wonder where that is. <laughs> okay, we really need to get to this, uh, this okay. next uh, clip. So I'm, I'm going to... Um, uh, uh, play this first one. This one isn't from the the, the book that you mentioned earlier, uh, but this is from um, a biochemist turned Buddhist monk, Matthew Ricard, talking about um, how to be happy. Mind training is based on the idea that two opposite mental factors cannot happen at the same time. You could go from love to hate, 
But you cannot at the same time, toward the same object, the same person, one to harm and one to do good. You cannot in the same gesture shake hand and give a blow. So there are natural antidotes to emotions that are destructive to our inner well-being. So that's a way to proceed. Rejoicing compared to jealousy. A kind of sense of inner freedom as opposite to intense grasping and obsession. Benevolence, loving kindness against hatred. But of course, each emotion then would need a particular antidote. Another way is to try to find a general antidote to all emotions. And that's by looking at their very nature. Usually, when we feel annoyed, hatred, or upset with someone, or obsessed with something, the mind goes again and again to that object. Each time it goes to the object, it reinforces that obsession or that, uh, that annoyance. So then it's a self-perpetuating process. So what we need to look now is, instead of looking outward, we look inward. Look at anger itself. It looks very menacing, like a billowing monsoon cloud, thunderstorm. But we think we could sit on the cloud, but if we go there, it's just mist. Likewise, if you look at the thought of anger, it will vanish like frost under the morning sun. If you do this again and again, the propensity, the tendencies for anger to arise again will be less and less each time you dissolved it. And at the end, although it may arise, it will just cross the mind like a bird crossing the sky without leaving any track. So this is the principle of mind training. All right, there you go, mind training. Whoa. Now we should probably tell you what, uh, if you can hold on uh, what he just said into your mind, I'll in the last minute and a half explain the three ladders, and then after the break you can tell us what ladder that was. Sound good? Okay. All right. So I'm the, train my mind to remember what you just said. <laughs> the three ladders. So the idea is that there are three ladders which man uses to escape um, the the this world uh, to to, uh, to to transcend oneself. And the three ways uh, that is done is through uh, moralism. This is the ladder of the will, so that you would be good enough, um, that, that you'd uh, reach up to God by, by trying to show your self-righteousness. The second one is the ladder of the emotion. This is a ladder of mysticism, so that uh, you feel close to God or that you have a certain experience. And this experience is then to, to show you um, that you are uh, escaping the, um, uh, the, the sins of this world, uh, the, the death all around you. You're escaping this world and then uh, being close to God or other uh, deity of your choice. And the third ladder is the ladder of the mind. This is the ladder of rationalism. So this is a ladder that uh, if you can only be smart enough, that you can, um, you, you can know all the answers of life, that, that uh, you, have, you have reasoned your way um, through this world to have an explanation for everything. Uh, and so, so by that, um, you have kind of become, set yourself up as your own, your own God. You've set yourself up um, beyond the need of, of, uh, of saving. And, and that's what all of these are, are really tri- striving to do, whether it's through self-righteousness or a particular experience. They're uh, putting themselves beyond a need for God, uh, trying to self-justify themselves before God. So those are the three ladders. Now the question is, this, this uh, biochemist-turned-Buddhist monk uh, talking about happiness and, and uh, mind training, was that the ladder of moralism, the ladder of mysticism? or the ladder of rationalism. That is the question for Pastor Wolfmuller. Maybe some Table Talk radio points on the table. We'll be right back. So lay 
feels for a brown eyed girl getting cold. It seemed to matter. Cause heaven was awaiting at the top of Jacob's ladder. Keeping Luther rolling in his grave since 2008. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. All right, when Buddhist monk Matthew Ricard talks about uh, happiness in mind training, would that be ladder of moralism, the ladder of mysticism, or the ladder of rationalism? Pastor Wolfmiller, what do you think? This is this is amazing because uh, the whole the whole Buddhist kind of plan track, you know, thing is to overcome suffering by disconnecting from this life. So you overcome uh, emotions come from I mean uh, suffering comes from connections. So if you can transcend connections, then you transcend suffering. It's amazing. This is so that the Buddhists are the same as the Gnostics in this is that they are using um or uh, let me think about this. This could be the exact opposite. The Gnostic which stands for knowing is actually coming up with a super secret way of knowing things. So that so the Gnostic is trying to overcome the mind with the psyche. The Buddhist, on the other hand, is trying to overcome the psyche with the mind. <laughs> hmm. So it's like, yeah, so it's the opposite of Gnosticism. You're trying to plant, um, you are trying then through meditation, all, of course, focused inward. You're trying through inward meditation to overcome the turmoil of your, of your psyche and the psychic connections of, that comes from being created. Hmm. Uh, so this would, in a weird sort of way, you, it would be using the ladder of the mind to, to, to propping that up against the ladder of the psyche to climb above, the, to transcend the ladder of the psyche. That's how I would construe this thing. Uh, what yeah, do you think about that? I think that's true, but I think that um, what he uses to get on that ladder is he first takes the first step or two of moralism to take that jump onto the ladder of mysticism. Uh, because he already said where, where he talked about uh, you know anger being exact opposite of of you know love, and so these two can't coexist. But so when you have this anger thing, you have to you know realize that it's just you know just a, a misty cloud. And the more that you do that, then so um, because at the end of the day, if you're going to try and tell someone how they're going to mystically transcend, you have to tell them what to do and how to do that. Right. So, so there's right. a, it's a, 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 a <laughs> element of moralism in this too. Yeah, you know, sit like this with your legs crossed and your hands like this. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm above all that stuff. Wear okay. an uh, orange robe. It's you know the best things, by the way, the best cults, the most attractive thing for people is when all three of these ladders are s- sort of mixed in together. That's the, that's one of the keys that we had published in the booklet, How to Start Your Own Cult in 20 Minutes or Less. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I do. Um, so. Uh, that is one of the keys there. Actually, we didn't write it yet. If, if everyone's going to go looking on the internet, you know, our four listeners are like, wow, I want to start a cult in 20 minutes or less. <laughs> We're working on it. All right. One of the keys is make sure you have all three ladders. I'm going to give you 166 Table Talk Radio points for that. Sweet. All right. Now let's go to the next one. Uh, this next one is by uh, Jonathan Haidt talking about his uh, his new book called The Religious Mind. And the subtitle is... Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. Uh, and this is uh, 
Jonathan Haidt. We humans have many varieties of religious experience, as William James explained. One of the most common is climbing the secret staircase and losing ourselves. The staircase takes us from the experience of life as profane or ordinary, upwards to the experience of life as sacred or deeply interconnected. We are homoduplex, as Durkheim explained. And we are homoduplex because we evolved by multi-level selection, as Darwin explained. I can't be certain that the staircase is an adaptation rather than a bug. But if it is an adaptation, then the implications are profound. If it is an adaptation, then we evolved to be religious. I don't mean that we evolved to join gigantic organized religions. Those things came along too recently. I mean that we evolved to see sacredness all around us and to join with others into teams that circle around sacred objects, people, and ideas. This is why politics is so tribal. Politics is partly profane, it's partly about self-interest, but politics is also about sacredness. It's about joining with others to pursue moral ideals. It's about the eternal struggle between good and evil, and we all believe we're on the good team. And most importantly, if the staircase is real, it explains the persistent undercurrent of dissatisfaction in modern life. Because human beings are, to some extent, hivish creatures like bees. We're bees who busted out of the hive during the Enlightenment. We broke down the old institutions and brought liberty to the oppressed. We unleashed earth-changing creativity and generated vast wealth and comfort. Nowadays, we fly around like individual bees exulting in our freedom. But sometimes we wonder, is this all there is? What should I do with my life? What's missing? What's missing is that we are homoduplex, but modern secular society was built to satisfy our lower, profane selves. It's really comfortable down here on the lower level. Come, have a seat in my home entertainment center. One great challenge of modern life is to find the staircase amid all the clutter, and then to do something good and noble once you climb to the top. I see this desire in my students at the University of Virginia. They all want to find a cause or call that they can throw themselves into. They're all searching for their staircase. And that gives me hope, because people are not purely selfish. Most people long to overcome pettiness and become part of something larger. And this explains the extraordinary resonance of this simple metaphor conjured up nearly 400 years ago. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent a part of the main. Thank mm. you. All right. So did you get, get, did you get the gist of this? Sort of. I, I think we ought to, by the way, cr- create a liner that says, Table Talk Radio, you've found the staircase. Oh, that that <laughs> reminds me, by the way. Um, uh, I was I was going somewhere with my GPS, and I was thinking, my, my GPS is, is nicer than even my co-host on the radio show. You know what my GPS told me the other day? My GPS what? told me, you have arrived. I thought, thank you. No one has ever told me that before. Thank you very much. <laughs> you have arrived. You, you never even tell me that. Jeez. <laughs> you pulled up at the nursing home, probably, to visit someone. You've arrived. Probably about 50 years early, but you've arrived. 
<laughs> okay, so basically, if I can summarize, uh, this this uh, author is trying to trying to figure out why um, good people are, uh, which is moralism, right? Good people are are are, are set apart in religion and, and politics. Uh, and religion, which is uh, mysticism. I mean, he's talking about, and he's not talking about religion necessarily, but he's talking about the spiritual experience, right? The, yeah, the, yeah. the transcendence of self, right? Right. So, That's so, mysticism. So how he would then say that that a person is good, or uh, as the book says, the righteous mind, uh, a person is righteous, is because they've been able to transcend themselves um, uh, out of this uh, individual. Uh, way of living, and, and in this transcendence, they they gather together with each other, just like the the bees and the beehive. Um, and so th- this transcendence is accomplished through various ways, and especially um, through like, for example, in war, when when you're at war, you have to band together with your with your brother soldiers and go on. So so that uh, people are accomplishing a, a greater good by banding together. And so, the, so, so he argues that all of this is is a um, uh, an evolutionary adaptation. You know, so in the process of evolution, you have what he calls adaptations or bugs. Bugs are things that that creep along that hurt the process of evolution. He would say that that this adaptation has helped us. It, that this adaptation specifically, this ability to transcend oneself, um, is what separates humans from. Animals, and I have a quote from his book uh, to that end. He says, "We are downright lucky <laughs> that we evolved this complex moral psychology that allowed our species to burst out of the forests and, and savannas into the delights, comforts, and extraordinary peacefulness of modern societies in just a few thousand years." It's amazing, isn't it? So, so, is it, so you have a rationalist explaining the moral benefits of mysticism. <laughs> Right. Is that what we have here? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. That's amazing. Now, dear listener, you should, uh, as you're playing along, listening and thinking, listening for these ladders and doing this, and like, realize that, that these ladders that Adolf Caberly writes and that Luther wrote about, you know, so many hundreds of years ago, are constantly making the, their way into people reflecting on human reality. They just they're they're there. In fact, I have this book, The Plagues of the Mind. I was telling you about this thing. Yeah. Some I think he's a, a secular socialist, and he's talking about um, the some modern lies that people buy into, and and one of them is is rationalism, and the other one is mysticism. I mean, it's just amazing. And he, he didn't call them that, but that's what, exactly what he's talking about. Uh, so these these little ladders find themselves. We find them all over the place once we start looking. Yeah, I, I I was interested in something that this author said in the, in the intro because he's talking he's defining you know uh, the word righteousness and righteous, and he talked about how there's a uh, you know the righteousness has a connotation of being just upright or virtuous, but then also has the negative connotation of someone being like self righteous you know, and so he he uh, talks about how self righteousness has a negative connotation, but I was really struck by this. To condemn self-righteousness, doesn't that seem to imply that there's another kind of righteousness that is not from the self? And right. so I'm wondering how a, na- a naturalist explains a righteousness that is not self-righteousness. Like, where does that righteousness come from? Who imputes it? Yeah, I mean, that has to come from a source, a, a righteous source, nonetheless. 
Well, if you were more missional, you'd probably write. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the ladders that get us to heaven. Leave them worthless. You've been listening to Table Talk Claim Radio. Heaven, the views say. expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.